You're listening to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it. So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Now let's get down to business. Welcome everybody to uh, another episode of The Wrap uh, here at Warren Averett. We're glad to have some of our friends with us today. I think this is episode 63. Today we're going to be talking to folks in our technology and life sciences industry. So they work with a lot of companies in that space and so we are happy to have them here today also with us is a, a new co-host for the for the for the rap and i'm happy to have my friend Derek johnson out of the tampa office if you remember way back episode 14 we talked about recruiting we talked about retaining talent uh Derek, it is good to have you uh as a co-host today paul thanks for having me i'm Derek johnson out of the tampa office here uh, a little over nine years at the firm spearheading the staffing and recruiting arm for our Florida operations. Uh, but enough about me, the stars of the show, both Larry Perkle from our Birmingham office and Yogesh Patel from our Atlanta office. The people need to know. How about you to introduce yourselves for the show? Yeah, sure. So uh, before I do that, I guess one thing I will bring up, Larry, I think you and I share a pretty big milestone here at Warren Avery. We're 20 years in. So Congrats. that's exciting. We've, uh, you know, it's gone by fast. So uh, I think it's definitely a, a big milestone for us and excited that uh, we've reached that. So a lot of my time spent here at Warren Averitt is advising fast growing companies, founders, CEOs, really both early stage companies all the way to mature middle market that are typically they're acquiring and or looking at some type of transaction on the horizon. A lot of the companies are backed by either growth equity firms or may even have a control investment you know, by private equity. So that's where I spend most of my time, Larry. And you are correct. This is 20 years for me as well. So um, it's been fun and it goes by quick. But um, yeah, I also work with a lot of tech companies and emerging growth companies and private equity companies and their portfolio companies and um, have the privilege of leading our technology and life science industry. Gentlemen, we're really happy to have you all with us today and look forward to this discussion. So let's let's really jump right in. So there's a lot of challenges and opportunities that these types of companies in this industry face that maybe others don't. And today we're going to talk about some of those. So I think one of the first ones we wanted to talk about, Larry, was to start off with you. You know, what challenges and opportunities are companies in the industry facing as it relates to raising capital? Yes, I think um, one thing that uh, is facing the industry, particularly as it pertains to um, raising capital, um, could be the macro environment of interest rates increasing. If you look at the um, public markets as an indicator, we saw them decline significantly in 2022, last year, and then rebound considerably in, in 2023. And um, I think some are starting to wonder now if maybe that rebound uh, anticipated rates leveling are, are starting to come down sooner than they're actually going to, um, that it now appears that they're going to um, actually come down. But um, I think uh, as interest rates uh, go, they, they have a direct impact on, on valuations and the valuations can definitely have a direct impact on, on, raising, on raising capital. Yeah, and I agree with you, Larry. I think, you know, really some of the challenges look, I think 2023, raising capital in 2023 is a lot different than 2021 and 2022. I think a lot of our technology companies, a lot of technologists coming out there, what they saw was term sheets overnight, you know, last couple of years with high valuations in terms of, you know, growth equity firms and private equity firms willing to invest. We've seen that slow down a little bit, you know, right now. And I think overall year over year capital raise has gone down. Uh, series A and Series B have gone down and the valuations are becoming more realistic. So I think that's 
really part of the, the challenges right now. And then you throw SVP and Signature Bank as well uh, mm-hmm. with the mix. So I think just access to capital, you know, continues to be somewhat of a challenge, more restricted right now than uh, what we've seen the last couple of years. But on the flip side, I think opportunity-wise, there's still a lot of capital on the sideline. So for good, fast-growing companies, especially if you're kind of B2B SaaS, you know, high margins, high RR, you're going to be able to raise capital pretty easily, I think. So there's some higher valuations out there that are AR company driven, but I think those are more outliers. But, um, you know, for example, I think what we're seeing series a roughly two to $4 million raise on average valuing at 25 to 50 million, just to give you an idea. So I think on the opportunity side, there's still a lot of, um, you know, options out there in terms of meeting some suitors to raise capital. Yeah, I agree. I think deals are still being completed. Maybe um, buyers are just being a little bit more cautious um, in this environment. And so, um, uh, yeah, but, but at the end of the day, maybe the dial's just turned down a little bit, um, but definitely it's not turned off. That, that's very interesting, guys. Um, so still some silver lining. There still are some good things going on. In the meantime, what, what are these groups, what are these companies doing and what challenges are they facing trying to, to just grow their revenue, just to, to go, do good business and do a lot of it? Yeah, so I think uh, growing revenue, as as Larry kind of alluded to earlier on at the top, was just the macroeconomic conditions, right? So I think if you are a B2B technology company selling to enterprise clients or any other type of, you know, business customers, the challenge in growing the revenue is, you know, are you one of those applications, cloud apps that is not necessarily, it's nice to have, but not must have. Mm. So I think in these conditions with, CEOs and CFOs are looking at probably 200 cloud apps, right? That they have uh, 20 of those may need to be scrapped. So, you know, ensuring that you're not one of those 20 that you're continually developing the product and have that must have, you know, type of platform that your customers want. Yeah. And I think revenues is definitely something for companies in this industry to focus on historically. ARR, annual recurring revenue has been significant um, factor in valuing these companies. So um, it can be a great time to, you know, look to your customers, um, listen to their feedback, maybe um, reinvest in some development of new features that that meet their needs and um, really focus on, on revenues. But at the same time, I think it's also um, a good opportunity to um, focus on other things such as maybe even your, your labor. It can be a challenging time right now to find um, qualified developers in this space. Um, Inflation has affected um, salaries for for the labor in this area, and then uh, there's also the shift in um, you know more and more professionals in this industry being uh, working remote, and and that may be remote here domestically. It can may may even mean that you're working with developers um, across the globe. And, and Larry, you, you just reminded me of something. So you know, in terms of growing revenues, Derek, you had mentioned. So we see a lot of companies with somewhat of a significant cash balance. So I think it's key to understanding. Where do you invest that? As Larry mentioned, is it in development? Do you go out and look for a strategic target to acquire? So there's different ways to grow those revenues, right? So I think if you've got the cash or the ability to invest, making sure you make the investment in the right places is also key to growing the, the growing the revenue. Yogesh, you mentioned product development. Let's unpack that a little bit further because I'm sure that that's another huge challenge and opportunity for folks in this industry that maybe other industries don't have and don't see. And so uh, can you can you go a little bit further on kind of what those challenges around product development in, is that you haven't already talked about and what they need to be thinking about? 
Yeah, sure. So there's, you know, Gen AI, generative AI is a hot topic, right? So I think product development wise, it's continuing to enhance the technology and it may not be Gen AI, Gen AI, but I think your customers continuously look for you to enhance your product and they expect that. So how do you do that? I think some of the things that we're seeing a shift is what Larry had mentioned to had alluded to as far as developers go is you may have some great expertise in-house with the DevOps and creating the platform, enhancing that platform, but you may not have anybody that has AI experience. So now you've got to go out and find that talent, right? So I think that's one of the challenges that you see in terms of product development is making sure that you have the right resources in-house or whether you're outsourcing as far as development goes and continuously looking for that um, as you grow the product. And I think with product development, like Yogesh alluded to, you know, new technologies are coming on the scene all the time. The big one that you referred to, you know, when Microsoft goes and invests in uh, chat GBT, it gets on everyone's radar screen and all of a sudden there's a, uh, a rush to, um, to AI and you see that in the public market valuations indicating, uh, the premiums that are being paid for that industry. But, uh, you know, um, Technological change is, is, is kind of uh, the norm here. So, um, uh, in this industry. So, um, whether it's AI right now or some, whatever the next thing is down the road in the, in the future, this is definitely a challenge, but also an opportunity in this industry is managing, you know, the technology changes, you know, not being caught by, um, by surprise, but, but embracing those and, and looking forward to what's the next one and how can you leverage it? How can you take advantage of that change? Yeah, I think one good example just to share with you is Bill.com. I think Bill.com has like a $12 billion market cap. You know, they've been around for a while. Their technology has been a while, uh, been around for a while, but they still demand a high stock price. Why is that? Because they continuously enhance the product. So if you go to Bill.com now, uh, they've got some AI built in that technology, and I think they're going to continue to make investment in, in investment in that AI. Uh, QuickBooks is another one that's continually, it's been around for a while for SMBs. You know, they're continually enhancing the project product uh, overall. And these are just accounting and finance applications I'm giving examples to, but really it's across the board for any application for companies that use technology. And with this, you know, I guess undergirding all this is you're trying to keep an eye on your competition by, you know, making sure your product stays current or ahead um, of what others in your space are, are doing. And so you see a lot of company and companies employing approaches where you try to get out a, a product quick to the market, some sort of minimum viable product so that you can um, get out quickly, either your initial product launch or maybe even subsequent development, subsequent enhancements so that um, you can get out to market quickly um, and that you can uh, immediately start obtaining user feedback uh, from your product that you can then use to um, build into the next release or the next enhancement or the next upgrade to your product. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Then head on over to warrenabert.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Now, back to the show. You guys talk about the constant change and development and redevelopment. And, you know, I, I just stretch back to episode 14 when Paul did have me on and you hear about retaining talent. And Larry, you, you dipped your toe in that pool a minute ago and my staffing census started to to hum in my head and, and all of this development requires great talent. So what are you guys seeing? What are your clients telling you? And Larry, since you you sort of cracked that egg, why not you you go first? But tell me, what what are they seeing with the talent and their staffing situations? What are they up against? Yeah, I kind of went through it quickly, but yeah, I think it is good to sort of stop here and pivot and, and just sort of um, expand on it uh, a little bit because I think it is important. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, technology is all about 
those who are creating the technology. You've got to have the developers who are writing the code and, and developing uh, the technology. And like we mentioned, you know, um, the labor market is is tight in this area right now. Which um, uh, so first, just finding you know good. Uh, developers, and I think companies are having to be creative in how they do that. Um, whether it's uh, offshoring uh, to other countries to obtain that um, the the right amount and the right skill set, or um, maybe it's a hybrid of uh, U.S. based and um, uh, overseas global based developers. Um, also, that can have an impact on, on salaries. You may get some salary benefit in other countries, um, but that's another topic that are that has to be addressed and managed because salaries are increasing as the demand for developers increases the the, the price uh, for those developers is going up and then as you you know gain the benefits of you know maybe more availability maybe a little bit better pricing of salary level from going overseas but then it creates its own challenges of managing remote workers you've got different time zones that have to be managed and, and even um, in the US you know the management of global workers Pretty much everyone went home for for COVID, and some tech companies are starting to reconsider that. And you know, um, maybe it's certain days of the week, or maybe it's an, uh, you know a mandate to get more and more people back into the office. I think every company is having to think through how do we manage our um, our remote workers, and and do they stay remote or do they need to get back into the office? You know, so Derek, I'll, I'll speak a little bit to what's near and dear to your heart, which is finding the right candidate, right? So in right. terms of uh, aspects of a technology company that's growing fast, so. A lot of times it's about asking the right questions when you find the right candidate, that might, you know, on paper, have the right experience that you need. It's what are they really looking for? Because in a technology company, you know, when you're building the product, when you're a one million dollar company and building that technology is completely different than when you've built it. And you're now twenty five million and fifty million dollars. And what I mean by that is, you know, the developer may be looking for a different experience. Maybe they already want a built product and that's what they want to do in terms of moving forward. Or they may want to build a product. So. I think it's kind of important to understand what they're looking for to, to be able to make a good match. Uh, you know, a lot of times folks want to work at a startup, but the, what they really may be looking for is a Google or a Salesforce that has kind of that work and play environment, but already established versus a true startup where you're just grinding it out, right? Trying to get to that 1 million ARR or 5 million ARR, which is really a grind for companies, you know, to make it all the way up to that level, you know, when you're first starting out. We're talking about things that are kind of specific to this industry. And I know you and I have a lot of these conversations because uh, your clients and, and uh, always talk to our group, Yoga Shells as well. Um, every company in the world is quickly becoming a data company because we're all holding information. But that's at the core of what a, what a technology company is, right? So I'm sure that there are challenges that you see when you're talking to your clients as it relates to how they verify, vouch the security of the data that they're holding. Again, everybody's about to be in this space, um, but the technology industry really kind of built this. So uh, we see a lot of things in the, in the, in the news about Google and Microsoft and GDPR over on the, uh, over in the European Union. California's got their privacy law. So w what are the challenges you're seeing with your, your clients as it relates to that verifying of the data that they hold? Right. I think that, um, cyber security, cyber protection is, is very important. Uh, especially in the technology space, because as you mentioned, you are holding many times as we move more and more to a SaaS environment, um, you are holding your customers' data on your systems and, and your networks. And so I think there's maybe at least two layers of defense. There's the internal and the external. From an internal standpoint, that can be everything from the 
uh, applications and, and programs that you obtain to protect that data. It can also be the um, uh, people that you have, um, the security experts that you have in-house to make sure that you've got appropriate policies and protocols. But then um, I think more and more customers, um, while they may trust you, uh, they're they're being held responsible for for verifying that that trust. And so um, it's not uncommon uh, for a customer to call and say, we need to see your um, SOC report, which is really just a report that a third party, such as an accounting firm, has um, said that your policies and procedures are in accordance with a particular framework or, or standard. And it's a written report that um, backs up and communicates to the third parties that are trusting in in your company that that you do have appropriate um, safeguards and controls um, in place. Yeah, and, and Paul, you and I just spoke, I think, last week regarding uh, a, a company that called because you know they formed a strategic partnership with a public company, and now all of a sudden there's some requirements that later on that they weren't really prepared for or anticipated. So I think really the key is just anticipating, especially when you're growing fast, of what those requirements may be. And we've got a few examples of this. You know, there was a fintech company uh, that we worked with who got acquired by a strategic public company. They were growing fast and they they landed a well client, you know, the, the client they've been wanting to land for quite some time. Well, as that due diligence process played out, they had to get a SOC 1 report. There was no ifs, ands, or buts that had to be done for that contract to be signed. So that was quite a bit of challenge to get through that process, you know, in terms of making sure that contract could be executed. So really, I I guess the moral of the story is just anticipate what those requirements are. And it's better to do that on your own timetable, right, versus being having forced to, to comply and then going through that process. So I think that's really the key there when it comes to some of these, you know, when you're housing data and some of the some of the potential compliance that may come with it. The the key takeaway from that, Yogesh, is anticipate it, right? I mean, like you can't you can't overstate that enough because mm-hmm. how many times do we get a phone call and it's hey, I need this in two weeks, two months? And you know, we're talking six, nine, ten, you know, ten months before something like that can really be done well. Right. Um, so definitely uh anticipation is the key there. And I would just add too that, you know, when you're a tech company and you're trying to manage your cash, you've raised some capital and you're you're really focused on your costs and trying to make sure you really invest your cash in the most appropriate ways it can be tempting to um, see security, um, particularly a third party assessment of your of your controls and your security as, as a cost. But um, then you get that mm-hmm. one call like Yogi was talking about from that, you know, prized new customer and they want that report and, and you're sort of caught off guard without it. And that can be a um, dangerous situation as well. So I agree. We, we, we sometimes uh, refer to it as it's not a it's not a expense to your business. It's a revenue protector, right? You don't exactly. you don't have that mm-hmm. or you don't even have the good controls in place. Your revenue is not going to be as protected as you want it to be. It's a lot to digest. We've got SOC reports. We've chatted about growing revenues, raising capital, the old age topic of talent. We could probably go on for hours. Uh, but what if we did a round two of this? this podcast, what would be on that potential laundry list of items we could talk about? I think to some extent, some of these are um, evergreen. We would talk um, about a number of these topics again, labor, capital, and these sort of things. 
Um, a couple of things we might expand into, I think, would be maybe um, like IP, protecting your IP is important, your intellectual property, and we could delve into that a little bit. Um, further, uh, I think maybe we could expand on the cybersecurity that we um, talked about. Uh, I think another area that um, we haven't spent much time about, but we could dive in deeper a little bit into um, some of the unique uh, opportunities um, for technology companies from um, uh, both an accounting and tax perspective. Um, there are unique issues that uh, present themselves. All of this spend on research and development can sometimes result in beneficial tax uh, opportunities. Um, companies are doing mergers and acquisitions. And so we, while you could talk about the business side of that, that also creates certain accounting and tax uh, situations. Um, while it's fun to talk about generating revenue, uh, at the same time, it can um, result in um, significant revenue recognition issues because uh, the contracts in this area tend to be complicated with a lot of elements all going into one contract. Um, there are some benefits, some of the spend that we're talking about that you can get a tax credit for. You can sometimes capitalize on your books and sometimes companies forget that you don't have to expense all that right now. You can sort of, you know, hey, we're investing for the future and, and reflect that on your um, financial statements. And a lot of these companies, because they're short on cash, uh, may reward employees to some extent with um, equity. And so we could talk about equity uh, rewards. And again, one more area that um, has unique accounting ramifications. So there could be an opportunity to talk about some of those topics, but also harmonize those with um, uh, any any impacts to their financial statements and their and their taxes. Yeah, no, I think those are all all great, and we could probably even do you know a third podcast, if you will, Derek, <laughs> to unpack some more. But uh, you know, some of the areas is like, for example, we talked about raising capital, right? So with that is, are you the appropriate legal structure, or what are the options, or what makes you investor friendly to take on the capital? So that's a whole separate discussion in itself that you know we typically advise. Um, as well as just right sizing the business overall, do you have the right accounting structure in place? Uh, you know, and things of that nature. So th there's several areas that I think we, we typically see and and that are kind of hurdles, if you will, as you continue to grow as a tech company that we would spend time talking more about if, if we had it today. Good stuff, guys. Um, so here on the wrap, we like to wrap it up in 60 seconds or less. What is it, the Yogesh, let's start with you. What's the one thing you want to leave um, the listeners in this industry with? Um, either something we've already talked about or, you know, summarizing that or something new that that wasn't discussed yeah no thanks paul so i think one of the things that i would say that we didn't really talk about is make sure you have a good cfo or vp of finance in place you know in terms of especially the macroeconomic conditions that larry had outlined earlier you need someone in that seat that's actively tracking key metrics of the business so you know where you're going what customers are you making money on which ones are you losing money on you know just things that can help you continue to grow and be profitable as a business. A lot of times we see tech companies, growing tech companies invest more in their COO and sales side of the house. And sometimes the finance is lacking. So I think one of the things that I would definitely want to reiterate is make sure you have a good you know, finance leader in place to help you continue to grow and be successful. I think those are great points. You definitely want to have your, um, your, accounting records in order um, it becomes really important not just for you know managing and understanding your business and making decisions but also you know when it comes time to raise capital or perhaps sell the business there's going to be um, a significant amount of transaction due diligence and you may need assistance with that but um, a significant focus on that is going to be what we call the quality of your earnings that there's not these spikes and unusual ups and downs in your numbers but that there's a predictable and understandable 
uh, trends, which is one of the reasons that, you know, SaaS has become so popular is that um, everyone wants that recurring revenue versus the old days when um, you're selling a license every year, or upgrading the maintenance or, or whatever. People want that recurring revenue because uh, buyers are looking for that as they, as they, um, focus on purchasing companies. And so that brings me back to kind of where I would leave it with just focus on growing your, your revenues, um, developing a customer centric, customer centric culture, uh, listening to your customers and their feedback, um, making sure that you've got great customer service and support and that you're, um, incorporating and listening to your um, customers as you think about what's most important, um, in future product development. Gentlemen, this was a this was an absolute pleasure. Uh, you clearly know your stuff. You clearly know this industry. Thank you for communicating that that expertise um, to our uh, listeners, Derek. It was an absolute pleasure to have you as a co-host. I look forward to future uh, podcasts, gentlemen. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Bye. for having us. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to the podcast series, or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear. Visit us at warrenabritt.com forward slash the wrap.